ever thought about what you'd do if you won Lotto? Oh, yes. That is what I spend most of my day doing, most of the time, if I'm honest. I tell you what, there are some divine houses on Trade Me for north of $10 million. I'll send you some links after this. Well, you know, you could buy a house for you and a house for me if you won Lotto tonight because the jackpot is $33 million. That, that's a lot of money. Yeah. I know people say life-changing amount of money a lot, but like that would genuinely change your life. What, what, what are you doing if you won $33 million? Tell you what, simple process. Phone at the bottom of the harbour, flight to Bora Bora, goodbye, everyone. I'll see you when I see you. So if you're not here tomorrow, then... You know exactly what has happened, <laughs> Jess. You know exactly what's happened. Well, in that case, we better make the most of you while we've got you. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Jess. I'm Jono, and this is What's Worth Talking About. Lots of theories right now about the security of Vladimir Putin's job, so how likely is it that Russia's president could be toppled? If you're the sort of person who jumps on the bandwagon of every new diet fad, hoping to see a change when you jump on the scales, we have some new research that you're going to want to hear about. And TikTok's good for many things, but some protection ideas is not one of them. Stand by for a debunking of the latest new trend and why it could put you in more danger. All that's coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Now the fallout from the weekend's uprising in Russia is continuing unabated. Yevgeny Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner force, has retreated to a place unknown. We don't know where he is. And Russia's President Vladimir Putin has accused the leaders of last week's mutiny of wanting to see Russia choked in bloody strife, a very visual image. Indeed. But interestingly, President Putin called the Wagner troops patriots who would be allowed to join the army, go to Belarus or return home. So to untangle all of this, we're joined now by Dr Paul Buchanan, the director of the Strategic Assessment Consultancy 36 Parallel. Welcome, Paul. Oh, nice to be here. Now, how is the rest of the world responding to the Wagner Group's uprising? Rubbing hands together in glee, or should we be even more worried? There's very little joy around the world because a nuclear-armed state that suffers from instability and direct challenges to its leadership can be very dangerous, particularly one that is involved in an unsuccessful military venture, uh, waging war against its neighbor. So, although many leaders may be happy to see Putin under stress. Uh, sometimes, you know, you better beware of what you wish for. And this is a clear case in point. The US president has been distancing his country from any involvement on, in all this. Is that important? Biden's response was a PR exercise directed at two audiences. Uh, one, the world community and particularly NATO allies saying, you know, we're going to cover you. We didn't have anything to do with it. He's also talking to the pro-Russian factions inside the Republican Party. That MAGA crowd are pro-Putin. They make no bones about it. Uh, he's got a seditious lot inside uh, the U.S. House of Representatives. And so he doesn't want to give them any ammunition to say, look, at you intervened again. And look at the results now, because Prigozhin is not a nice fellow. I mean, again, we have to beware if he is the successor. The U.S. administration, though, they'll be watching what is unfolding very closely, I imagine. Uh, the fact is, is that the U.S. has intelligence assets in Russia. It has intelligence assets uh, watching Prigozhin very closely. 
I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of back and forth between U.S. intelligence uh, officials and Prigozhin. If he's going to be the successor, you want to be talking to him now. Although uh, they seem to agree that his move was not directed at Putin. It was directed at the military high command and the minister of defense, who he is now for over a year accused of being corrupt and incompetent. And uh, he's actually called for their, the executions of the head of the armed forces and the minister of defense, and, uh, but has said explicitly that he's not after Putin. And if you think about it from Prigozhin's point of view, he doesn't need to see uh, Putin killed or exiled. Uh, all he needs is take, to take over the armed forces. And then in a weird way, Putin becomes his puppet. Uh, he gets to stay as president, but the real power will lie in Prigozhin's hands. And that's why the Minister of Defense made a move against Prigozhin by saying that by July 1st, all the Wagner Group mercenaries had to join the Russian armed forces. So, and I should point out that there were other private military corporations operating out of Russia. And uh, that call has now gone out to them. One of the biggest is a private military corporation that is owned by the energy monopoly Gazprom, which provides security for its investments around the world as well as in Russia. And what about the Wagner Group's troops that followed their leader and marched into Russia? What's going to happen to them? Well, they appear to be retreating back to Rostov, and then from there they'll cross over the border back into the Ukraine if they want to rejoin the fight. I mean, I think we have to be very clear. For all the talk about Putin uh, killing Prigozhin as a result of this, Prigozhin has the ultimate insurance policy, which is his troops. If it wasn't for the Wagner Group, the Russians would be losing and losing badly in the Ukraine. It's Wagner that is keeping them in the fight. If Prigozhin is killed, his troops will either defect, they will quit, but very few of them, I think, will join the Russian military over the death of their leader. I think the opposite will occur. And so uh, Putin all knows all this. He knows that if he kills Prigozhin anytime soon, Wagner will likely rebel against them. And then there's those other PMCs who are looking at the treatment of Wagner by the Russian military high command. So his troops are re retreating to the south because they're needed in the fight against the Ukrainians. And the Ukrainians, of course, have taken advantage of this by increasing their counteroffensive. Thanks, Paul. Take care. If you're someone who swears by calorie counting or intermittent fasting is the best way to shift a couple of kgs, well, we have some new research in just a couple of minutes that you want to hear about. Remember, if you want to get in touch with us as well, you can find us on TikTok or Insta. Just search for the handle NewsableNZ. And if you want to go old school, we will also accept your emails. Our address is newsable at stuff.co.nz. Alrighty. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing so far, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It'll help other people find us. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, 
Subscribe to The Long Read from Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. So dieting. Most of us would put up our hands to trying one of those fad diets at some stage. But Jess, have you tried a bit of the old time-restricted eating at any stage? Oh, is that the one where you get to eat whatever you want so long as it's between this time and this time? Yeah, yeah, that's the one, like eight hours of eating, 16 hours of no food. Well, a study in the Annals of Internal Medicine, great name there, says actually this one works as well as just good old-fashioned calorie counting. So to find out more, we invited on researcher Krista Varaday, who is from the University of Illinois in Chicago. Kia ora, Krista. Thank you so much for joining us. So why are we comparing intermittent fasting with calorie counting? I, I would have thought that might have been done before. Oh, there's actually been only one other kind of long-term comparison between time-restricted eating and calorie counting. But it was kind of a different study in the sense that they actually combined time-restricted eating with calorie restriction, which I thought was a little odd because the whole point for me or what I think a lot of people think of doing time-restricted eating is really that it just naturally reduces calories. So we've seen in our short-term studies that, um, yeah, in general, it reduces calories by anywhere from three to 500 um, calories per day. Were the results a surprise? Um, well, I was actually thinking that since we compared the two diets over a year, I really thought people would find it easier to stick to time-restricted eating just because it's such a simple approach to dieting. Really, all you do is, you know, eat between like usually over an eight-hour period and then fast for about 16 hours with water or calorie-free beverages. But during the eight-hour period, you don't have to count calories at all. So I really thought that people would be able to stick to that diet better, opposed to calorie counting, which is pretty tedious because people have to constantly record stuff in an app. You know, every single thing you eat, you have to record. But they actually both had fairly similar adherence rates. And because of that, they both resulted in similar weight loss, about 5% over a year. So that's about 10 to 12 pounds. So I think like 4.5 kilos. Were there other differences that showed up between the time-restricted eating and the calorie counting? Uh, yeah, the, the main difference was that time-restricted eating resulted in greater increases in insulin sensitivity, which is pretty much like an indicator of blood sugar regulation. So it's kind of showing that time-restricted eating may be possibly more protective against the development of diabetes versus um, calorie counting. But we definitely need more studies to test that out. So this wasn't the biggest study. How much of this information will help in the fight against obesity? Yeah, so it's a randomized control trial, um, which is somewhat useful, but it's true. It was only 90 people randomized to the three different intervention groups. Usually with um, this type of um, intensive dietary trial, though, you won't get more than like maybe a maximum of 200 people. Really, when you're looking at like thousands of people, that's more like an observational study where they're just following people that are already doing the diet. So... I think it definitely adds to the literature for sure. I think the main thing that that is helpful is that it shows that people without intentionally counting calories, just by watching the time, they can reduce calories by about 400 calories per day by eating in an eight-hour window. So I think it's, yeah, it's a a good first step, I'd say. And Krista, can you talk me through a little bit more about what you plan to do next with this research? I think time-restricted eating is actually going to just show benefits in really specific population groups. We just finished a study in people with type 2 diabetes, so, um, and we're seeing some differences there between calorie restriction and time-restricted eating. And and we started some other studies in um, women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is something that actually affects about 10% of um, premenopausal women. 
So now we're kind of taking this research and looking at really specific groups and seeing if it can help them kind of more than traditional dieting. Krista, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, we love a silly TikTok craze on Newsable, and we have a doozy for you today. Okay, what's it called? What's it called? It is called the beer tan. The beer tan. Okay, so you're named after that because you become a delightful shade of beer, a delightful shade of Pilsner, or maybe an IPA? No, it is called that because people are using beer, the drink, as sunscreen. Beer as sunscreen. Famously not a sunscreen. Yes. Famously the drink that should be inside yourself is now on your skin. That is all correct, but still, people are pouring beer on themselves in a bid to protect themselves from UV light from the sun. Even for TikTok, this feels like a stretch. Why Why are people doing this, Jono? TikTok has a lot to answer yeah. for in this, I tell you what. Well, here's the logic. Beer is made from hops which supposedly help activate melanin, which makes pale skin darker. One TikTok user said they had the best hand ever. This person was presumably drenched in beer all the time, and I, for one, don't want to smell that ever. I mean, this has got no SPF in it, though. Surely it's not going to protect you from the sun at all. Oh, no, absolutely not. Beer does not contain any form of SPF. We cannot stress that enough. Also, covering yourself in a liquid which contains sugar could actually attract stinging and biting insects. So aside from the horrific sunburn you're probably going to get, it's a massive health and safety issue for that reason as well. All right, so this is one to file away for summer. I mean, I'm not drinking a lot of beer or seeing a lot of sun currently, but it should not be used as any form of sunscreen. It should just be used as a refreshing, delightful drink. That is absolutely correct. It is a strange old world when we have to tell people to use drinks as drinks and not as sun protection. Man, well, that is newsable for the day. I hope we all have learned something and hopefully not learned something in that last bit. I'm Jess McCarthy. And I'm Jono Williams, and I might be off for a beer. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz support.